Hi, everybody, and welcome to um, another Kings of Anglia podcast. It's um, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. It's definitely Thursday. Yes, I just think what day of the week. It's definitely Thursday. Uh, the sun is still shining, which is uh, about four days on the trot now. So this is wonderful. Well, Kings of Ang- Anglia um, family, I hope you're all well, and I hope you're looking forward to the weekend. A big game, of course, at the weekend. Uh, like I said, I'm Mike Bacon, uh, La Poncho, La Porca, La Porca uh, de, la, de la Maslian which is a little bit of a little bit of Chinese there uh, uh, among my uh, La Porca fans. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm here. Um, interested, um, the Heath man is still is still recovering. And, 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 and sadly, the Hutch, the Hutch, the Hutch Warren has, 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 has had to call off as well um, today, which is very sad, very because we're looking forward to speaking to him. But um, he's got um, he's got some more hay coming um, for his uh, for his rabbit hutch, which he has to be there to uh, collect. So he can't be there. But that's the that's 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 very sad. But when we miss him, but he'll be back on who well, Dave, he'll be back next week. We'll have to see. Um, but anyway, I am joined by two wonderful kings um, of of, uh, of of this uh, of this podcast. Of course, soon to be award winning podcast. By the way, you might you might know we keep getting uh, nominated for lots of awards. We don't win any, but we have a we have good uh, piss ups. Uh, sorry, good nights out on on, on them anyway. But um, um, the first person, well, first person I introduce you to is is a man who's um, well, he's making his he making his name through 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 getting his videos banned. He's a, he's a banned man, but I mean he's a good man. It's a Roscoe, Roscoe Halls, Ross. Um, welcome to um, welcome to the King's Angry Podcast. Hope you're well. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, I'm fine. Um, I don't know what else to say, to be honest. Um, I always brace myself for these intros, but they're always enjoyable, Mike. And I'm sure the listeners enjoy that first two minutes of the podcast. Well, when I say your videos are banned, they're not banned as such. I'm being a bit unfair on you. You're not, you just keep creeping into the wrong areas, and, and then you have to understand where you have to be, Roscoe. It's, it's all very, it's all very, you know, it's all very. Everyone likes their little areas. You, 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 people, people like to have their little sort of definitive areas, and you keep creeping into them. You see, which is well between you and me, good for you. But I mean, you know, some people get a bit sort of uh, funny about it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. And my the, my second guest, dare I say, the main guest. Well, he's not a guest; he's a friend. The friend, the friend of KOA, because every. In every in every business, in every leadership, you have to have a chief. You have to have a chief man. And this man is the chief. He's the chief football rider. Don't mess with this man because this man tells it as it is. If you want to cross paths, don't cross with this man. This is the doctor. He's been away. He's actually going to tell us where he's been for the last few days. You're not going to believe it where he's been. But anyway, it's the doctor, Watson. Stu, lovely to see you. How, how are you looking for? Lovely green shirt you got on there. Very smart. Very smart today. Are you, are you going for a job interview or something later after this? Or what's that? What's happening? It's... Uh... How many coffees have you had this morning? You all right? Yeah, well, I, I think this is just you, though, isn't it? This is this is Mike Bacon, just always wound up like a spring. I love it. I love a Mike Bacon intro. I'm good. I'm well. And you've been busy, Stu. Go on, go on. Tell him. Tell him. You told me. Tell him. Tell him uh, what you've been doing. I played a little bit of golf this week. Enjoyed the enjoyed the uh, the spring sunshine. So, um, yeah, you're a golfer, Mike. Mm. I need to short my sort my short game out. Tee to green, beautiful. Drives irons green high, and then I'm 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 fatting chips. I'm duffing them. I'm thinning them over the back. I can't get out of bunkers. It's driving me potty. I need to uh, I need to get some tips on my short game. Driving, driving for show, putting for dough. You remember mm. that, young Stu Pot? I mean, that is a very, uh, you know, you're going to have to sharpen up your short game. And in fact, you are going to have to sharpen up your short because a little little thing for the KOA family here might not know this, but among among us two, among the three of us here, um, two of us are actually uh, do play golf. And one of us is actually the captain of the East Anglian Daily Times Golf Society, aren't I? You are, yeah. You've just taken on the reins from the legendary Tony Garnett. Who, um who's passed, passed on the baton to you. So uh, you have promised you'll make me vice captain this year. I don't know if that, that comes no. with any responsibility. Well, I have promised you that, and I'd like to stick by that, Stu. I think you are the man to be my vice captain because I think you are just the man for the job. I mean, should, for instance, I mean, it's a little it's a lot of responsibility, Stu. It's not just sort of just having the title. I mean, I have to do a little speech at the end of the match. I mean, if say, say for instance, I got hit on the head by a golf ball halfway through the round and I carried off somewhere, you're going to have to take over that speech. So I hope you're you're ready to go. Always ready. Born ready. Good man, good man. Well, it's enough about golf. Let's talk about football. Let's talk about Ipswich Town, the Super Blues, um, who, of course, are, are well, look, we're still in the playoff race. I know, oh, how frustrating. We've talked about the Oxford result. We're not going to mention the O word again, Ross, okay, this podcast, because you mentioned it three times last time after I said don't mention Oxford anymore, didn't you? Oxford. Yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, so we're, so we're, 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 obviously the Blues are at home to Plymouth, and uh, we're going to look at the game a little bit later on, but 
one very significant factor about um, Saturday's game is the fact it's going to be called, it's been dedicated to Paul Mariner. Paul Mariner Day is the game is going to be called um, in, in, in memory of, well, there's only one, <laughs> let's be, there's only one person sitting here who actually remembers seeing the great man play, but um, I know Stuart was saying he's read his book and then I know loads of guys have, have probably seen him on YouTube, Paul Mariner. Well, um, Stu, you've, you've, you've had a look at his books. It's not easy when you haven't seen somebody play, but honestly, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about him in a minute. He was a great player. Yeah, I just want to hear from, from you, your memories and, and thoughts on him. I know you've spoken to, to Russell Osman this week to, to get some thought, thoughts on him. And I've, I've really enjoyed reading his his book that was kind of in, in the works in his, sadly, in his in his sort of lat, latter days while he was um, struggling with the with the brain condition that, that he had. Um, but he sounds like a right character, a real throwback to when footballers could uh, enjoy themselves away from football. He's a bit of a rock and roll footballer, wasn't he? Mates with Ian Gillen from Deep Purple, stories of him getting up on stage a bit like sort of uh, shaking some maracas round or playing the drums in the background and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's a great book. If, if people haven't read it yet, have, have a little read. Roscoe, have you seen it? I mean, you, poor, poor chap, you are very young to even remember Paul Mariner. I mean, have I, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here to say, have you done Have you done a little bit of viewing on, on, on YouTube? There are a few little clips about of Paul. There is, of course, his, his goal against West Brom in that 7-0 win. What a goal that was. And, you know, you always recognise Paul Mariner because of his hair, number nine, back of his shirt, um, and the amount of goals he scored as well for the club. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that I wasn't old enough to see him play, but I've... Um, Got family members, my uncle, my nan, good old nan, uh, Doreen. She, she loved him as a player when she was um, sort of similar age to him. So, um, of course, she fancied him a little bit because who, who wouldn't fancy Paul Mariner? Mm. Well, absolutely. He was fantastic. Let's right, bring up to date a little bit with Paul Mariner. When I, I did an interview with Joe Piggott at the start of the season and um, he mentioned um, the fact that he had the number nine shirt and 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 sadly, uh, Joe's father uh, passed away um, earlier, I think last last year, but his father had said to him, to Joe, about Paul Mariner, actually, and the fact that he wore the number nine and, and he remembered seeing him, what a great player he was, and told Joe, you know, you're taking over a shirt number there that's really significant. Um yeah, what can I say about Paul Maram? I was so lucky to see him play. I mean, I was I was just I was like a I think I was I was just in my early teens, so I was lucky to be brought up through that era of, of the Bobby Robson era um of um of his great size through the through the mid to to, to late seventies and obviously into the early eighties. And uh, how can I describe if I describe Paul Mariner today, I would describe him as a current a sort of a version of Harry Kane today. In so much as if you can picture Harry Kane big, strong, wants the ball, scores with his head, scores with his feet, very mobile, not a, not just a target man, does a lot of on the ball and off the ball. Paul Mariner was very similar. He was a very, he worked very hard on the pitch. He wasn't someone you just booted into the middle and he hit, he headed it in the net. He did a lot with his, um, a lot with his feet. Um, yes, I spoke to Russell Osman, as you say, Stu, um, this week as a piece going in online, will be going online this week. Um, Russell just just loved him. Well, they all loved him. He was a great character. As we say, read his book. He's a great character. Um, very much a man's man. Somebody who who you followed, uh, Russell said. He didn't follow other people. Paul Mariner, you followed him. He didn't follow other people, which I think speaks volumes. Um, huge part of Robson's Robson's you know, set up at that time. I mean, he was just a great striker. And he had he just had all the attributes. It's extraordinary to to think of somebody having so many attributes. Of course. 35 England caps, I think, and 13 goals. You don't you don't get those sort of accolades if you if you're not, you know, you're talking about a good era of English strikers as well, some good strikers about. Um yeah, I must admit when Paul Mariner came to it, which a lot of us sort of didn't really know too much about him. He came from Plymouth, obviously, where he was very successful. Um, and yeah, um, but he went on to be he's the best number nine I've seen at Ipswich Town. Obviously, I didn't see mm. Ted Phillips, unfortunately, and Ray Croft, who are brilliant, but I must be honest, no one's touched Paul Mariner since. And um, I well, don't... the quote from Bobby Robson sums it up where he's, you know, Bobby Robson talked about, I worked with some some great strikers in my time, Lineker, Ronaldo, Romario, Van Nistelrooy and Paul Mariner. And he puts him in um, amongst that company. And you you can say no more than that, can you, when, when you talk, when you look at that list and for him to be included on there. The Harry Kane sort of comparisons an, an interesting one. He, um, He's a physical player, wasn't he, Paul Mariner? It sounds like he, he gave out as good as he got in an era of centre-half sharpening their elbows and, and leaving a bit on you. 
Um, it sounds like he could he could hand out a bit of retribution when he wanted to. He was he was a very strong player, Stu. Um, a very strong player, and uh, as, as, as what Russell Osman Russell some, Russell Osman's a lovely quotes from Russell. I hope you do read the piece that, that I've written later on this week. It's, it's really love some lovely lovely quotes. Russell's really in awe of him because Russell being a strong centre half himself alongside Butch. I mean they didn't take too many prisoners, but so they knew what Paul Murray had to put up with. Um, back in that back in the day, up you know playing up top against some strong centre-halves, and you're right, no, he didn't. But he, he he had no temper on him. He didn't he didn't get himself a lot of hassle on the pitch. He was very strong, but he was very disciplined. Um, and he was just, he's just a, he was clearly just a big character in that dressing room as well. And Bobby Robson was very clever at getting some very good characters in that mm. dressing room and made a big difference. Um, yeah, what do you think, Roscoe of the Ham? I mean, you see Harry Kane? Can you? I mean, you can you know it's it's. How would you see Harry Kane then? Do you, do you see him as a, as a sort of a, a sort of striker who's got so much? And imagining Mariner having the same. Yeah, you know Harry Kane. Well, he's had to go through some of the hard times. Harry Kane, of course, he you know got loaned out and had a, you know, had multiple spells before making his name. Um, and yeah, he's now. I think he possibly could break the Premier League record if he keeps going the way he's going. Um, you know, now he's back at Spurs, doing all right. You know, he's, of course, linked to move away from Spurs. But I think now he's back on Spurs fans' good books. Um, but, yeah, some of the stuff, Harry, you know, some of the finishes he makes is just fantastic. Of course, his connection with Son is is fantastic. Um, and I'm sure Paul Mariner had like partners like that as well in midfield, John Walk. Um, I'm sure even the Dutch... Dutch guys, um, Murin and you know Tyson. I'm sure even even like Adam Brazil and those sort of players just linking up play with Paul Mariner, I think, which you know I'm sure was just fantastic to watch. And yeah, seeing like strikers like Harry Kane, um, I'm sure they've they've looked back at clips of Mariner and thinking, yeah, I, I like to do that as well. Was it a surprise when he came from Plymouth, Mike? And the reason it's Paul Mariner Day is because obviously Ipswich are playing Plymouth at Portman Road on Saturday. He came from Plymouth, who were the division down. Maybe even two down. I can't. You, you'll have to cor- correct me on when I'm wrong on that. Down. But yeah. it was seen as a uh, people raise eyebrows at the time that you know Ipswich were a club sort of progressing and they they dipped into a lower division to sign a striker. Did he have to sort of win over a few people in in the early days? Yeah, you know, I think I think he did. I, I don't remember being a. Hu- I don't remember there being an absolute huge fanfare. You know, oh my goodness, we signed this guy Paul, Paul Marin. You know, there was a lot of people. Okay. All right, yeah, let's see what he can do. He'd scored lots of goals at Plymouth, mind you. I mean, he was well thought of at Plymouth, but that didn't yeah. necessarily going to mean, you know, what was going to happen. It, the thing with Bobby Robson is by this time, everyone has started, we'd all start to trust him, okay, completely. Um, I remember them Ipswich signing Alan Hunter back in the early 70s. Um, Robson was adamant he wanted to get Alan, this Alan, guy, Alan Hunter there. Again, it was like, who's Alan? He became pivotal. And of course, later on, Robson signed Muir and Tyson. Again, people were like Muir and Tyson. Yeah, we yeah we know about them, but are they going to fit in? You just you, you had sort of Rob. You trusted Robson at this time. Really, really important. You trusted Robson, and when he signed Marin, you trusted that he knew exactly what he was doing. And I don't think yeah, I don't think Paul Mariner came there sort of like everyone's. It's not like it wasn't like signing a ten million pound striker today. It was signing someone who you rightly say to you was sort of okay. Yeah, he scored some goals for Plymouth, but what does that mean? He developed hugely at Ipswich Town. I mean, he re- and he developed very quickly. Six months after joining Ipswich, he got his first England cap, which is which is extraordinary. He was nowhere near the England setup, you know, when he came to Ipswich. So, you know, he he he, he yes, he, I think he did have a lot to, a bit to prove. I think he had a lot to prove. It was a two hundred, I think about two hundred and twenty thousand. He joined it, which is a lot of money back then. But I don't think it was. I think people just want to see how he was going to get on, but. Ross made some good points there about partnerships. See, Mariner performed some good partnerships. I mean, Brazil was, Alan Brazil was, again, fantastic player. Him and Mariner were, were just, a, what a dream. And then and, and then the midfield behind them, Muir and Tyson and Walk. I mean, goodness me, you know, um, Eric Gates slipped in there as well a, a little while. Mariner formed lots of good partnerships. You heard you heard Paul Cook at the beginning of last season talk about partnerships or the season before we going on about creating partnerships, creating partnerships. And... Um, yeah, he's uh, he, he created a lot of partnerships. He, I mean, he ended up being just a fantastic striker um, for, for town. So very privileged to have watched him. Yeah, you can ju- you can just feel the warmth coming off the page when you read or hear any of these quotes from anyone that knew him, whether it was during his playing career, whether it was post-playing career, when he obviously had some time in, in management, um, went to Plymouth back as a, as a manager, spent a lot of time in America. Anyone who worked with him just speaks with 
just utter love. You can just you can just hear it. You know the respect that that everyone had for for the man. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the the tributes on Saturday. I think that's going to be a real moment when both sets of fans sort of come come together on that one. Mm, absolutely, and uh, just finally, as I said, about Russell Osman again was was talking to them. I think they had another. Uh, get together the UEFA Cup winning team recently, or players reunion recently, and obviously, and, and Russell said, you know, Paul wasn't there, and beat the beat wasn't there, and um, they missed them terribly. And uh, of course, Paul was only sixty eight, I believe, when he died last year. Terribly, you know, terribly early. Such a shame. But look, his memories are absolutely etched in for all of us who saw him at that time. I mean, that is the beauty of it. I can sit here and talk about him as a young kid watching a striker like that. Wow, you know, and and all the Ipswich Town fans who 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 watched him. That, that's a lovely thing. No one has forgotten him. You know, no one has forgotten Paul Mariner and what he did for Ipswich Town. So, yeah, looking forward to it, Stuart. Should be great. A little lump in the old throat. And I hope the North Stand sing a million miles for one of your goals, Paul Mariner. Have you heard that song, Roscoe? Have you ever heard it before? We walk a million miles for one of your goals. Paul, no, you won't have done your see because you're a bit young. But no. they, they, every time, when he, when he used to score a goal, Mariner should run his arm up high and, they used to, and the North Stand would sing... We walk, we'll walk a million miles for one of your goals. Paul Mariner, really loud. So I love, they do that again on Saturday. Oh, that would be lovely. That would be a lovely little, lovely little touch if they can if they do that. But um, anyway. Just, just give you Russell Osman thing one last plug, Mike. Is that going out as a video as well? What are we putting up? No, it's just it's a piece like, going out on, on Saturday, hopefully, um, with Russell. And a nice little video. Now, Roscoe's done himself proud here. We've done a little video together, haven't we, Roscoe, with, uh, about Paul Mariner. Um, I did a few words, a little talk over, and Ross has put together a load of pictures. Ross, it's come along nicely, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, I, I want to quickly just bring up a picture, and I think this is such a, a lovely picture. I think it w went out when, of course, Paul died. But the, just the this picture of three legends of the football club, this one here, <laughs> um, so for the, for the listeners, it's Bobby, Beat, and of course Mariner, and it's just a great picture. Um, you know, three legends of the game for us, and I, I I always look back at that picture and just that is just a great picture. I think that picture was taken after we beat West Brom in the FA Cup semi final, I believe, at Highbury. I think that's the one because Town played in white that day, so um, that looks like that's picture. And they've all got a little, you know. It's, Paul Mariner's got a beat. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Paul Mariner, and they're all all holding a little cup of milk. You know, just afterwards, just to just to just to get down to a little glass of water after the game, which is nice to see or milk or whatever they were having, which is yeah. nice to see, isn't it? You know, you'd think they'd have a beer or something, but no, that's a, <laughs> no. great, great times, great times, and uh, and great uh, and uh, yeah, look, really look forward to celebrating Paul Mariner Day. And um, I'm glad it's nice you've read the book, Stu, or re are reading the book. That's, uh, that's I coming think towards the end of it. It's a really good read. I think it's his. Um, it's his commentator friend from their time in America, Mark Donaldson, I believe is his name is. I will double check that. It's a, it's a really good read. It's uh, They've had to sort of get contributions from people like Mick Mills and, and others sort of interspersed throughout the book. Um, yeah, good stuff. If you haven't, if you haven't read that yet, I'd, uh, I'd recommend going and getting it. Excellent. Right. Well, look, we look forward to Paul Mariner Day and we look forward to him being there. We'll talk about the game a little later on with, with, uh, with Mr. Watson, the chief football writer and young, and young, young video man Roscoe down there who will no doubt be probably upsetting more stewards but we'll just have to get on with it and uh, and see what he can produce um, um a little bit uh, we'll move on a little bit of news from from Port Road uh, this week uh Stu um Kieran Dyer Kieran Dyer has left the under 23s post um which was uh comes a shock to to quite a few people um Kieran was uh well he's let the side been doing really well under his uh management um under 23s top of the table um so uh well, bit of a shock, Stu. I mean, are you are you surprised? And um, your thoughts? Um, I think for those that read the news that day, it came as a shock. The club have said it's a shock, but I think anyone that kind of knows and speaks to Kieran over a period of time will, will have known his growing frustrations, which he's articulated um, very well in in a podcast with um, Renegade Statman. An hour, a good, really good hour and a half of sort of emotional articulate chat explaining why he's come to this decision um my my overriding emotion is that I'm, I'm sad that the club have lost just such a really good asset as I've said before on this podcast how many football clubs of Ipswich Town's size and where they're at in the pyramid have someone like Kieran Dyer who played at World Cups who played 33 times for England of that era of your David Beckham's and when the money started to explode and he's experienced 
what I think more of a, more of a taste of what modern day players now go through with social media and you know media exposure and all those sort of things. So not only is he really blooming and blossoming as a coach, he's gone away and he's he's really tried to improve himself. He's he's halfway through his pro license at the moment. He's gone away and um, worked and looked at other clubs' methods and things like that. But um, I think he had a lot to give in terms of being a mentor to players. We've seen how much James Norwood has spoken so warmly about his role in sort of when when he was kind of exiled to the 23s. He, he's clearly been um, a good mentor for, for a lot of the under-23s. Idris El Mazzouni, Tyrese Simpson... Uh, Amanda Dobra, a lot of those players have, have spoken how much of a role Kieran's had, you know, in helping them both on and off the pitch. So I, I'm sad he's gone. I respect his principles and I hope he doesn't regret it in the fullness of time because this is his club, this is his town. And as much as he was frustrated, you can have more of an influence on the inside than you can obviously now now on the outside. But um you know, we wish him well with the, with his health situation, first and foremost. He's hopefully getting that liver transplant pretty soon. And, uh, you know, he'll be he'll be t- determined to get sort of fit and back. And, and I'm sure he'll be uh, keep chucking his hat in the ring for, for a few jobs. And we'll, we'll see where he, where he pops up next. Mm. Roscoe, you saw a lot of the under-23s and under-18s when Kieran was involved with them as well. Um, he, he did some good stuff with them. It did, you know, some of the players who have come out on social media, even the senior players, he said James Norwood, I saw even Sam Morsey make a comment, you know, the captain of football club. So it's not just the, the young pros, it's also the senior pros. But um, I actually watched Kieran Dyer in action for the town under-18s against Southwold a couple of years ago. And it was very strange seeing Kieran Dyer playing at this Southwold common and also with, you know, all the under-18s kids. Um, but no, he's, what he's done the under-18s slash the under-23s and the top of the under-23s league. Um, the under-18s have had a, a successful last few years. You know, you've cut semi-finals, progressed with so many different players. But um, yeah, it's a massive loss. And as Stu said, he was, he was a massive asset because he's a young, upcoming coach who has got ambitions to become a, a manager of a football club. Um, so yeah, I was surprised when I saw that. And um, yeah, of course, we wish him all the best, not just in his coaching career, but also his, you know, with his, his liver transplant and everything. So um yeah, I know a lot of town fans just love Kieran Dyer as a as a player, but also as a person as well. Does his comments about the sort of his feeling that there's not a lack of pathways and that the academy isn't doesn't feel that it's got the the amount of attention that that it should do what worry either of you at all? He's talking about he thinks Cameron Humphreys is the second best central midfielder at the club behind Sam Morsi. I know Sazeba is is doing the business for the 23s at the moment. I think he feels that Tyree Simpson should have been at least on on the bench in in recent weeks because it that sends out a message to the rest of your young players throughout the club throughout the age groups that if you can see it you can be it and you need to kind of see evidence of of others getting their chance and obviously we haven't had the sort of the club's view of this and so far and and we'll try and speak to a few people involved on that um they I think Kieran McKenna would argue that a lot of them are getting regular training time with the first team from what I gather they're they're getting promoted up and training with the first team quite a lot but does it worry you at all with the with the traditions of Ipswich Town Football Club and producing producing their own that 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 might be further down the the pecking order or is it just about the short term now is it about there's some money behind the club we're three years into league one we've got to do whatever what what is the quickest route back to the championship and if that's recruiting rather than developing is that the more sensible approach? How do you look at it? I think I think that last statement you just made, Stu, sums it up a little bit, really. Is it about recruiting or is it about developing? Look, the fun one thing Ipswich Town want to do is get out of League One. There's no doubt about that. How they do it, they really don't care less, I think, at the moment. I think we just have... We're, we're, it's like sometimes it's wrong place, wrong time. And sometimes situations are now where... I'm not saying it's the wrong place for young players to be at Ipswich Town, but you remember Jack Langster's gone. I mean, Brett McGavin's out. You know, met Miles Kenlock. I mean, Flynn Downs has gone. Andre Dezel has gone. I mean, these are just players I've finished off the top of my head. Um, Luke, fortunately, Wolfenden's still around, which is great. But there's not a huge amount in that first team squad at the moment who have come through the ranks at Ipswich Town Football Club. Now, that doesn't mean, I don't think, Ipswich Town Football not interested in youth. Of course they are. 
but they have this awful problem at the moment of what what's what's what they got to do first develop players and hang around till they all come good or just get out of this league and then get, you know get that development going again I, I, and i think that's that's the tricky one i think kieran was caught in this this sort of this 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 situation where he's desperate to encourage he wants his young players to come through just like george burley had faith in him and richard Wright and james scotcroft another top players who george Brought youngsters in willy nilly and didn't didn't worry about it. That's but that was the situation the club was perhaps in at the time. Whereas now, um, this is you know we've never been this low in the divisions. You know this is League One. The club's never been this low for so long. Um, and and perhaps the idea is now we're just going just buy just buy the players to get us out of here. And then when you get the championship, then perhaps you can have a whole look at your strategy again. And right, we need our senior, but we must have a group coming through to. That's how I see it, and that's how I, I I think, Stu. That's that's probably the issue that, as you rightly said, is it recruitment or development? And I think at the moment, well, you saw by the amount of recruitment there was in the summer, it was very much about recruitment. Um, Roscoe, your thoughts? I think the the big thing that I was worried about in the summer is that Liam Gibbs he went to Norwich, and one of his statements was, "I can see a clear pathway." And that's him saying that at a rival club. Um, sometimes I think rivalries go out the window sometimes when you think about young players. I think some players just want to push on with their career. Um, but like Liam Gibbs, he was, he was definitely one of our shining lights to that youth, you know, under-18s, youth cup, semi-finalist team. And he was such a great player. I know he's probably not going to be playing Premier League football Norwich this season. And of course, they're going to be in the championship next year. But for him to go to a rival club because he doesn't see a pathway... It was just such a shame, and it could. I hope it doesn't happen because we've got some other great young players coming through. There's Tawanda Chuaiwa. Sorry if I pronounced his name completely wrong there, but he scored ten plus goals this season, volume twenty threes. And there's players like that. I fear there's not a pathway for them, and you're like, we're going to lose out on those players, and they're going to go out and you know leave for small fee. Um, well, we have you know Elkin Bagat, another another player. Bagat, it's not Bagat, is it? It's Bagat. <laughs> I can say that, but yeah, there's players like that. I just I fear. We're just going to lose because they just there's no pathway there. Yeah, there's. A, I guess you'd look at a club like Brentford and say to Brentford fans, give a monkeys that they close exactly. their academy and where they are as a club right now at the moment. Huddersfield did the same and and they're doing quite nicely in in the Championship. There's a difference with those two clubs that geographically, if you're Brentford and you've got all those bigger London clubs on your patch, Huddersfield the same in in Yorkshire. Let other bigger clubs do the work for you. Spend all the money on scooping up all the players, training them up to a high standard at the best facilities. And when they let them go, you're there. To, you're there as the safety net, and, and you've not spent all the money. It's different here in Suffolk. So one one club town, you you know, you got to go several miles to the north for Norwich. You know, several miles west towards Cambridge and likewise London down to the south is a big net here for talent. So I can understand. I know Marcus Evans had some really big doubts about the value of the academy and the cost of it going up year after year as they move the goalposts with P. But yeah, especially at the time when people like Ben Knight and, and Charlie Brown and others were getting poached for, for peanuts under, the, under a very unfair compensation system. But you can still you can still produce, and Flynn Downs will go for big money this summer to a Premier League club. I've got no doubt about it. And as Ross says, that there's more coming through. Even in you dip down into the lower age groups, people like Jack Manley and Nico Valentine, who have been regularly playing up up the age groups, there is more talent coming through at Ipswich Town, and and we don't want to see them continually going for nothing. And a Mark Ashton should will know about the value of that because Bristol City turned some really big profit on some some homegrown players during his his time there as well. So there's a balance to be had, isn't there, with the short term and the long term and, and hopefully hopefully they can strike that. I think you're right, Stuart. I think, as I said, when I spoke speaking, I was saying, right, 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 you know, right place, right time or wrong place, wrong time, whatever it is, Ipswich Town are just not where they want to be. This is so unusual for this football club to be in this division and, and people keep talking about it. And I still read stuff today, we shouldn't be in this division. We and of course, I think once Ipswich Town get out of this, and I don't know when it's going to be, I'd love it to be this season, it'd be fantastic, certainly next season. I think I think everything will change. I, I, I think there'll be a lot of change behind behind the scenes on our youth policy. Um, I think youth policy will be... be because I still think youth policy is the way forward. 
as you say, Stu, for a club like Ipswich, it's the way for it's the only it's the only way forward. You can't keep you ain't got money to just go out and just keep buying players all the time. Um, but let's get out of this league and and if it if it means we have to take a mass of senior pros to get us out of this league or players who have done it higher up, then that's what it's got to take. Um, because if you're not, you can be trapped here for a long time. And it's tough for young players to come in at this league. Some very physical sides in League One. Very physical sides. And as good as players are at 17, 18 in the under 23, it's a very different game. Suddenly stick them in the first team, you know, again, uh, uh, you know, Rotherham away or Accrington Stanley. It suddenly becomes a very different game. You don't want to knock them too much. I know people will say if you're good enough, you're good enough. Mm, yeah, okay, fair enough. But that doesn't apply to all players. And some do need, still need developing. But I, I, my confidence is that going forward, Ipswich Town's youth policy is going to get stronger again. I don't think it's great at the moment, to be honest. And I think that's part of going back to Kieran Darley. Even I do think that's part of his frustration um, that he probably feels isn't being, I wouldn't say taken seriously, because that's unfair to say he is being taken seriously, but not being given the opportunities. Um, but then again, maybe if Town suddenly, unfortunately, don't make the, you know, can't make the playoffs and the next suddenly something goes wrong in the next two or three games, maybe you might see a, might see a few blooded at the end of the season. Um, that often used to happen in years gone by, by the way. Um, suddenly, a young player would suddenly pop up for the last couple of games. From yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're all, we're on that precipice of the season nearly mm. nearly being done, getting towards kind of virtual virtual dead rubbers, aren't we? Um, I think Ipswich are going to need to win every game. Maybe maybe have, can get away with one one drop points in there, it's it's looking highly unlikely, isn't it? We'll see how they get on against Plymouth and, and Cambridge. And like you say, maybe that is when a Cameron Humphreys or a Tyree Simpson or yeah. or someone gets gets a little bit of game time under McKenna. We'll, we'll see. Watch this space. But um, yeah, I, I think Kieran will... Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how his, his career progresses. I, I look at Colchester just down the road and, and think, you know, there's a club that has got a real good, strong youth policy. It's about producing from within. Might be able to borrow a few from from Playford Road with with his contacts as well. They they'd uh, they'd walk down the A12 to go and go and play for Kieran again by the sounds of things. So that that could be an interesting little uh, link up at some stage. Obviously, once he's come out the other side of the, the transplant and everything, um, who knows? Mm. Yeah, best wishes to him, Kieran. Best wishes for the future. Um, I think he just needs a break. If I'm being perfect, I think he needs a break. I mean, don't mean a break as in a time break. I mean, he just needs a little break. He needs someone to give him an opportunity. Like someone's given Kieran McKenna an opportunity here at Ipswich Town and Kieran's grabbing it with, with two, 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 uh, two hands. Kieran perhaps needs that little break as, as a first. I know how much he enjoyed being on the pitch, warming up players before, you know, um, League One games. And he has done on many occasions. Um, perhaps just needs that break of being perhaps a little bit further down the, uh, down the, the, uh, the pyramid, but given a chance to be the first team manager, the first team manager, the head coach, not the under 23s or the deputy or the reserve or whatever. Um, so good luck with that. And I'm sure you, you'll agree as well, Roscoe. Yes, I think that's what he needs. Just a break, a chance from somewhere. Um, probably not where he wants to be, but sometimes, unfortunately, a lot of people like Kieran McKenna, did he probably want to manage a League One football club? But he probably thought that is the only pathway for him to get into the first little, you know, to be the, the man. And he's, yeah, as you said, he's using both hands and he's doing so well. And um, yeah, we, we shall wait and see what um, Kieran Dottar's next step is. There's always, there's a little saying, isn't there, from little acorns, big trees, little acorns, Stu, big trees. See, I planted, see now, I planted last year some acorns in my back garden, but I, nothing much has happened yet. Do they, do they grow straight away? I don't know if they probably don't. Probably I'm expecting too much for an oak tree is, so like a 20-foot oak tree within a year. It doesn't really happen, does it, Stu? I'm not really into gardening, to be honest, but don't know. Probably not. Move on. Mm. Okay. Right. Well, we are going to move on, actually. Well, to, I hope you enjoyed the King's Anglia podcast. I'm, I'm sure we all are. We're all sitting here chatting. We've done a bit of uh, Stuart's my uh, vice captain uh, in the East Anglia Daily Times golf team, as you know. And we're now going to go over to Stu. Stu, we're going to call this little section Ask Stu, who's going to ask us. That's a good little name. It's a bit, bit, bit sort of tongue twisty, but it's like a little mail, little mail bag. Stu, we've it's, had our KOA family. Um, it's, it's the mail bag, Mike. We call it the mail bag. Oh. And um, oh, you can we can go for ask Stu so he can ask us <laughs> to to sort of extrapolate that. That was ask KOA last week, which we then didn't do because the rate the players under McKenna thing went on for over an hour. Um, so we're going back to those questions. We're revisiting an old mailbag that we didn't get chance to. I've got some written down here in front of me. We've got some interesting ones, actually. And I'll start with one from Harvey Davies. 
Harvey Davis, Harvey Davies, Ross, you know Harvey's. I always I say it differently all the time, but I think okay. it is Davies, possibly. Davies. Okay, well, Harvey, friend of the show, um, number something. Sweet Wild Prince and all that. Yeah, he asks, fast forward 12 months, we're in March 2023, we're a town in the league, and how many points have we got? He adds, for the sake of this, we're still unfortunately in League One. I think I think that's a safe assumption. Um, so, where, where are Ipswich? Right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell exactly where they are, shall I? Because I, I, I know, Ross, I probably know, to be honest, which is going to spoil the answer for you, Ross, because your answer is going to be irrelevant. My, mine, <laughs> mine correct, uh, they will be third. They'll be third, and uh, currently they'll, they'll be third on 70 points, and they'll be just three points off second. Um, with about six, seven games to go. It's going to be one hell of a ride in. Um, Kira McKenna's already won four Manager of the Month awards. Um, we have a new striker. I won't tell you who he is, but he cost £10 million. That's all I'll say, OK? That's <laughs> all I'll say, folks, right? And he's he's already got 28 goals, but I'm not telling you who he is, OK? And uh, Cameron Humphreys is running the midfield. And, um, yeah, and basically, that's where we'll be. Um, yep, that's a year's time, so it's fantastic. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Ross, any advance on, on third? Uh, Mike is currently playing a FIFA game, as it sounds like <laughs> spending 10 million on a striker. Um, yeah. I know we've got a money now for the Americans, but um, I don't think 10 million pounds will be spent in League One. League One FFP might have something to say about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I hope we're in the playoffs. Now, what do I think? Surely we've got to be in the top six. We can't be another season in ninth. So I'm going to say fourth, but we are battling. I think it's going to be another close League One season next year. So um, fourth, but we'll wait. we've been up there all season. We haven't, you know, struggled. We've been up there all season and um, we'll just have a little purple patch and um, we're, now, we're going to finish the season off strong. I've got some thoughts on this. This would be the point where Mark would sigh and roll his eyes and say that I have to show my workings in a Stuart Watson way but I'm going to do it because that's me. Ipswich are currently ninth with 61 points, right? And I've gone through game by game to work out how much McKenna has improved the uh, reverse fixtures from earlier in the season. So, for example, Morecambe was a draw on the opening day. It stayed a draw under McKenna. So that's that's a zero points different. I've gone back, I've gone back through it. I'm not going to give you every match. You can do that yourself if you want. But Ipswich are six points up under McKenna from the thing. So if we're saying they're on 61 points now, I'm going to give them another six if McKenna had been here all season. That would be 60, 67, which would put them up in sixth as it stands, just. But I'm going to add a little bit on because I think we've got the summer transfer window. McKenna's got his feet under the door a little bit more, embedded things in. So, uh, yeah, sprinkle a few extra points on top of there. And I'm probably somewhere where Ross is about fourth, I think. Um I know people. I think there'll be a lot of people's picks for the title next season. I think people might get a little bit carried away and excited about Ipswich. We have to remember we got Derby coming down, Peterborough probably coming down, one of Barnsley or Reading, um, even taking Rotherham and Wigan out of the equation. There'll still be everyone bar one out of MK, Plymouth, Oxford, Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, Wickham, Portsmouth. Bolton might improve, Charlton might improve. It's uh, There's going to be a hell of a lot of competition in there. So, honestly, if you offered me fourth now, if you offered me anywhere in that top six, call me pessimistic, but I'd take it. Ipswich haven't finished in the playoffs three times in a row. Let's let's just concentrate on making that that step first before we start getting carried away and talking about first or, or second at this moment in time. I hope that's a wildly pessimistic uh, prediction, and I hope they they do. You know, I hope they are the major force that we we hope they can be. But um, yeah, I'm just going to dial that optimism down just just a little bit. So we got third, fourth, and fourth. So we'll see. There's a little ad question to that from Chris Warren, sibling of Andrew, ah, um, who says, and who from the current squad is in the team come March next year? Thoughts? Go on, Ross. I'll let I'll let you think. I'll let you chuck that one in first. Right, Walton has to be still in goal, surely. Yep. Hopefully. Um 
Wolfie, Emerson, name all the back four. I think the, the whole back line, I think, are still here. That'll be um, interesting, won't it? That, of that yeah. back three, will it still be the back three, the first choice back three of Danassi and Wolf and, and Edmondson? Because I think they have to go and sign another centre half yeah. this summer. And the question is, does that centre half get in and do they stay in? Um, that that will be interesting, won't it? If it is still that that back three, I mean, the amount of clean sheets they've they've kept, there's every reason to think that they could they could stick with that. Yeah, very much so because the the, the, the defence has been the big success story since McKenna arrived, hasn't he? Um, and 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 it's a very difficult thing to get right. The defence, it's easy. You know, nil-nil draws are all very well and boring when you get one or two, but with, but not conceding a goal in the amount of times it, amount of times Ipswich have since he's arrived is extraordinary. To have a defence that watertight is extraordinary. It's the sort of thing every manager dreams of. Don't worry if you don't win every game, but the fact you don't concede a goal means you don't lose yeah. many. So yes, I think you're right, Stu. There will somewhere someone will come in. I think a left, I think a a left back will come in as well. Maybe um, a left-sided defender. Um, but I, I, if I was him, I wouldn't be tinkering too much with the defence, to be honest. Um, yeah. As regards the midfield, well, Morsey, obviously, like, like Morsey, he'd love Selena to still be here, obviously. But you did a good piece, and Andy did a good piece this week about Selena. I don't quite know whether he felt he was going to be here or not. It's going to be difficult with Selena. Um, but we'll, nice come on to the front. we'll come on to the front end. Let's do it position by position. But if we look at that sort of midfield four, Burns, oh. I think we'd love to still be flying up and down the right. Morsey... Every reason to believe he'll he'll still be captain fantastic in the middle. Evans, I've put a little question mark next to. There's every chance it could be the Morsey Evans midfield too, but a bit like this, bit like defence, really. I think they will go and get another central midfielder. Tom Carroll will probably probably leave, is, is my gut feeling. We don't know what will happen with Backinson. And then it's whether that is that person is a a sizable upgrade on Evans and can get in and, and change that midfield. And then left left. Left midfield is obviously sort of a big question mark there with Dominic Thompson's loan coming up and and Penny having not quite done it so far and so I don't think we can we can put our nail our colours to anyone on the left side mast out of the, the current crop and then the front three could be anything couldn't it you know there's major question marks next to to everybody Selena's loan coming to an end Luco's contract coming up Jackson's contract coming up. Bonds out, Bonds loan coming to an end. Norwood contract, Simpsons contract, Piggott's under contract but hasn't hasn't got caught a light yet. Um, Chaplin's obviously un, under contract but not starting every week. That front three could be could be anything. There's a, there's a chance that one or two of those players are still here, but I think there's going to be a bit of a revamp to to that top end of the pitch. Do you? Yeah, I think you're right, Stu. I think there might well be. There's a lot of players. Um, Cook, we're born at Cook, born a lot of players there, didn't he? Attacking wise, we had we had, we're just sport for choice. But sport for choice hasn't got us into the top three, has it? So um, there's going to have to be some change. I think Ch- Chaplin. I think Chaplin will, will stay all day long. I think I think he's. I like I like Connor oh, Chaplin. Yeah, that's that's without doubt. But whether whether you think he's going to be starting come March next year uh, is uh, another yeah. question. But but he'll he'll definitely be here. He'll, and he'll be around. Role to play. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously you've got Piggott will definitely be still. I still think Piggott will stay. I know he's under contract. And people talk about will he move on? I don't think he'll move on at all. That's why I think McKenna keeps giving him the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, Selena would love to see Selena here. Um, I'd like to see a, 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 a mid going back quickly to the midfield again. I'd like to see a, a big, tall, stronger midfield in, in there in the center. There, some is there a guy called who's the guy Nottingham? The guy Nottingham who plays at um, is it Accrington or Fleetwood or somewhere. I might, might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, he's, um, he's a defender. Was, oh, is he? Oh, can he play in the midfield then? Uh, from what I've seen, I, I don't. I don't think oh. we should be signing a, a big centre half from Accrington to play central midfield. Okay. But I, I know what you mean about being a, you know a little I mean? bit I'm undersized like... Ipswich, aren't they? Yeah, a bit, bit of height and physicality. Yeah. I think would would bring but a bit more could, balance. Couldn't Nottingham still play in the midfield, Stu? Uh, could do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not his agent or anything. I just obviously just keep asking us all. So he's definitely so we definitely couldn't get Nottingham for the centre bit. Anyway, now I'll move on from that. Okay, so not Nottingham, but do you not you'll you agree with me then, Stu? I'd like to see a big presence in that centre midfield, a tall from mm-hmm. when you know headers as well as just strong. And because Morsey's great, Morsey's tough and rugged, and you know, but 
I mean, height is not everything. I'm, I'm, I'm only what I'm only five foot one and a half. So I mean, I'm, I can't talk. But I mean, it's sorry, Parkinson's a prime example of that, isn't he? Six foot three, six foot four, yeah. whatever he is. But you wouldn't say he's a he's a physical no. dominating player. And you can have you can have undersized players. I don't know someone like Tim Cahill springs to minus five foot ten, but yeah. was brilliant in the air. So. Um, yeah, someone who's got a bit of sort of physicality and, and maybe can win some aerial duels. Um, I think that will help from a set-piece point of view as well for Ipswich. I definitely think in terms of whatever position it is, that will be a, an attribute that will be high on the uh, the Ashton computer when they're, when they're sticking in what they, what they want into their little search engine this summer. That's a long question. We, Do you want a fun question? question? Yes. Ben Chaplin asks, and this is, I think is, um, I don't know if you saw this, it was a Bristol City TikTok video where they asked one of their players, are there more wills or more doors in the world? And the Bristol City player gave a very long-winded round the houses answer in his strong Bristolian accent, and it went a bit went a bit viral. So, um, yeah, I can see you confused here. Some, I don't understand the question. Around. I mean, In the world, are there more yes. wills? Or are there mean? more doors in the whole entire world? Are there more wheels or doors? Simple as that. Well, well, don't just say simple as that. That's a silly question. We mean are there wheels or doors? I mean, what do you mean wheels? Think about people... it. Cars have wheels. Oh, wheels. wheels! I thought you said wheels. I thought you said wheels. As in, I thought you said wheels. Wheels. Oh, what things that go round in circles? Yes. Oh, I, I thought you oh, meant cars. wheels that you that you write to leave everything to somebody. No. Ah, sorry. <laughs> right. You see, now think about it. Yeah, it's a good question to do that now. Wheels or wheels or what? Doors. Uh, wheels or doors. Mm. I think looking at are there are more doors because there's a door behind me and there's a door. I have to go out two doors to go out my patio doors. And it says mm-hmm. two doors before I get to my car, which is a three wheeler. So I've only got three wheels. So I've got um, lots of do- lots more doors. Roscoe, come on. You're, you're, you're the man for this. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think it's doors. To be honest, there's a lot of doors in houses, a lot of doors on cars and vans. I'm not going to do a long winning answer. I'm just going to say doors. I'm going to disagree. I think wheels because okay. I think we're overlooking. Are we counting things like cogs in machinery? Is that is that a wheel technically? Something that sort of turns? Well, no, that's a that's a cog, isn't it? You can't just cut everything that's circular. I mean, otherwise you just turn a, a wagon wheel or something that you get from Sainsbury's. A wagon wheel. Is, there is you a go. Wheel. We haven't we haven't factored in yeah, wagon you, wheels for you a start. Can't have wagon wheels. Don't do get you? a wagon door, do you? There's no edible doors. <laughs> um, I think wheels. Ah, yeah. I think you're just looking around you. You're doing a bit too short sighted. You're thinking about what you use. But I think there's a lot of unseen wheels. I'm going to go away and think about this. Maybe we'll, we'll come back to this in the next one. Um, We've got time for a couple more yeah, before we on. move on to Plymouth. Um, Shefford Blue asks, we've seen big developments in the likes of Wolfenden since Kieran McKenna came in. How much untapped potential is there left in the current squad? Is there anyone that you can see sort of a Wolfenden-like Lazarus rise, someone that's maybe sort of not being used to their full potential at the moment. Personally, I I know Chaplin's been starting a lot re- more recently. I'd start him every week. He he he'd be a player. He would be my. He should have been Ipswich's number ten from the start, and left is a number ten. Not 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 sort of chopped and changed around like we did choosing different players. Um, I think he's got a lot. More. I know he's, he's a quality player who's already given a lot. I just think there's so much more to Connor Chaplin that. We're starting to see at times. Don't get me wrong, but he would just have been. I'd have. I'd have made the team around him. Morsey and Chaplin. I'd have made. I'd have not worried about Morsey and Evans in the centre. That I'd have Morsey Chapman in front of him. That would have been for all right. As soon as as soon as they are both fit to play, every I'd have started every single game, and and I think would have been a slightly better position if Chaplin had started every single game rather than the ones he has. So Chaplin's my man for a little bit more oomph. Good shot, good age, good contract length on him. Still, good character. You can see him, see his role certainly uh, increasing over time. Ross, you? Yeah, Mike's pretty just stolen my answer there. But um, I think just a like, player like out on loan at the moment, Corey Andaba. He's currently doing really well at Salford. Um, he's I think one of the was the team of the week, player of the match in the last game. Um, he's a left-sided centre half. So I'm hoping. 
he will get a chance next season and um that is another that's the center half sorted if you think about it um so yeah he, hopefully he'll be one of those on tap players who can come in next season have a good preseason and kick on um but yeah Connor Chaplin's a good shout because yeah I'm a big fan of Connor Chaplin we've got a couple of names written down I've got Kyle Edwards I think we forget yeah. just how electric and how good he was in those early months I'm really interested to see what Kieran McKenna can do with him once he's back from injury and, and fully fit. We've talked about that question mark on the left side. I, I think Carl Edwards could could play that role, a bit more wing backy, and that sort of he could be the the mirror image of Wes Burns on on the left hand side. And how exciting would that be? And I'd throw Kane Vincent Young in there as well. I think um, for me, going back pre this season, he was in the top three best players at the club pre pre injury. Um, Maybe they can get him back to his dynamic self again and, and he could have a role to play. I'd say sort of, again, both of those are injury-related, but I think there's more to come from from both of those two. Um, Ross, you've already answered this question, so we've jumped ahead a little bit. Chris Peachy, out of all the players on loan, who do you think has a future under McKenna? So we, we've got your answer, Ross, in Corey and Darba. Um, I'll just give you the quick list, Mike, to remind you. We've got Thomas Holy at Port Vale, Bailey Clements at Stevenage, Rakeem Harper at Crewe, Kenlock and Dobber at Colchester, McGavin at Kings Lynn, and then Darber at Salford, plus a smattering of some of the younger lads out at, at different places. But that, that's the main list. What? Who can you see? Um, well, if I'm being brutally honest, probably not many of them, to be honest. Um, I'm afraid if I'm being... A bit, I, I actually went to Crewe the other week. It was Crewe, Crewe versus Wickham. And that's what, what, what a wonderful busman's holiday that was for me up there at Crewe. Um, that was a, but I went to Nantwich, lovely Nantwich, by the way, Stu, very nice. Um, I went to see the, the Dabbers also, a non-league team up there. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, I went to see Crewe, Rakeem Harper played. He didn't have the greatest game, I must be honest. I'd hoped he was going to stand out for me, but he didn't. Um, he potentially is the one, I suppose, who could come back into the squad and do a job. Mm. Um, he should um, be, shouldn't he? In terms yeah, of look at his experience exactly. and his pedigree and reputation, he should be the one jumping off that page saying, mm -hmm. "There's, there's." we've talked about that there's going to be opportunities in, in central midfield next season. He should be the one. But Mark Heath did a did a sort of a lone watch piece where he spoke to various fans and, and journalists and podcasters who cover these various clubs. And Rakeem Harper's verdict wasn't particularly flattering they were talking about questioning his fitness a little bit lethargic only little flashes of ability not sure what his best position is so really a continuation of the themes that we kind of saw here uh, which led to him obviously get, getting loaned out so there'd have to be a question mark there over Rakeem Harper um, maybe McKenna can can get hold of him and and do something we'll, we'll see but I mean you're right the others I think they're they're virtually sort of Never mind one foot out the door. I think there's sort of uh, there's one toe over the line still in the club with people like Holy and Clements and Kenlock. They're, they're gone. McGavin, aren't they? Um, I'd, I'd agree with Ross. I think Corey and Darbo could be a really interesting one. A real mm. defender who's comfortable on the ball. He's a left footer as well, which are, which are gold dust when it comes to defenders. Um, and he's getting rave reviews down, down at Salford. He's playing left back for them at the moment. He, he was injured for a chunk of the season, came back in in January and is, is keeping their sort of fans favourite out of the team at, at left back at the moment. So mm, maybe yeah. that left side of the, the back three could, could be well suited to him and frees up Edmondson to, to play on a more comfortable side. We, we shall see on that one. Um, I think that's probably it for mailbag. Do you want to, uh, we, we should probably have a little chat about, about Ipswich's game against Plymouth. Well, absolutely. Well, I, yeah, it's a big, it's a big game on Saturday. Well, they're all big games at the moment, aren't they? One after another, and um, you know, it's getting. We're getting now to um, what's that? What's that phrase? Squeaky something time um, with it all, and coming up to the playoffs. Um, right, Stu, gone. You're the main man when it comes to Ipswich Town Football Club. Um, here, um, you tell us how you see this one going. I think we've gone beyond squeaky, squeaky bum time now for Ipswich. I think these these last two draws of of. Um, have killed it off for me. Unfortunately, you've got to beat the team. If they were going to close the gap on the top six, they had to beat the teams above them at some point. And, and we keep banging on about, oh, it's the start of the season that's hurt us. It's that eight-game winless start in all competitions that has led to this. Yes, that probably did set the direction of travel and, and set the narrative. But they haven't beat a team in the top seven. And here we are at the end of March. If you haven't beaten anyone in the top seven... You ain't going to finish top six, are you? And you could, yes, there's been 
coulda, woulda, shoulda, fine margins, maybes, go up to Sunderland, play really well, lose 2-0, Oxford at the weekend, dominate the second half, deservedly lead, concede at the death. You can go through several games like that against those those higher-ranking sides. And that's been a theme of Ipswich in League One for three years now. Close, but no cigar against those those better teams. So I, I think the ship has sailed on top six. And unfortunately, there's just, I mean, you, you've got to go near perfect finish to the season. And, and there's an Easter weekend against Rotherham and, and Wigan to come. So, um, yeah, it's uh, Plymouth at home. And uh, what I want now is just to see if they can, if we talked about that six point improvement from McKenna on, on the reverse games. Can he go and improve some of those Paul Cook results we've got? Plymouth obviously lost down there in a in a really good open end to end game. Can Ipswich come out on the on the right side of of one of those those type of matches? Can Ipswich beat Cambridge, which was a draw earlier in the season? Can they can they match a Wigan or a Rotherham and and um, and just go into the summer maintaining a bit of the the current the current feel good factor? That's kind of how I feel about these these final six games. Now is it seven? Well, where are we at? I can't remember. Don't ask me. I think it's seven. Seven. No, it's seven, six. says Ross. Oh, it's seven. Um, what do you reckon? Plymouth at home, gents. What are we expecting? Uh, Plymouth a good side. Six games unbeaten currently. Um, but good thing. They're losing. They're Two of their players, their key players, are not playing on the weekend because they've been called out internationally. Kamara and Jeffcott. Um, and Kamara, what a player he, he's proven to be in League One. Um, and he, he's... Sam Morsey will be pleased he's not in the midfield, um, although he'll battle him well. But um, there'll be key losses for Plymouth, and I think um, that'll give us that extra edge, maybe. But um, this is going to be a tough game, but I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Um, just like the Portsmouth game, um, it, that was entertaining, but then also got boring at the end because Portsmouth was happy with a draw. So hopefully it's not a goalless draw, but Town, Kieran McKenna has made Portman Road a fortress. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a tough game. And uh, I just want us to make a statement, please. Just make a statement beating a team who are in the top six. Um, but yeah, the season's dead. So it uh, won't, won't matter if we did win. But um, but yeah, looking forward to this one. Mm. I must admit, you're, you're right, Stu, about not beating anyone top seven. Ironically, of course, Ipswich have now got a chance to be about three of them, haven't they, in the top seven as in the run-in. So it is, all about, it is all about finishing now, how you finish. I speak to a lot of town fans um, who are really enthralled by the way it's just playing at the moment. They're thoroughly enjoying turn up at Portman Road on a Saturday afternoon. And I can tell you, a few years ago, as we all know, Stu, you were covering them regularly. It wasn't always quite so exciting as you walked up to the Port Road thinking, oh no, what's this? And now it is. It's a lot more, there's a lot more going on. The team are playing a lot better. There's a lot more confidence in the side and you have a good feeling about it. It looks like it's going to be too late for this season, which is a crying shame. But there you go. You have got to take momentum with you in the, into the summer. There's no doubt about that. And beating teams like Plymouth, you know, there might not be anything on it. There may not be anything on it, but it's not the point. You've got to keep this feel-good stuff going because it's your plans and good football at times. The fans are coming their numbers. I mean, it's going to be at 22,000 again there Saturday. I mean, these, these are great crowds. I mean, entertain them. Look like there's something worth buying your season ticket for next season. You know, because I don't know how many home games are left. It can't be three, three maybe. I don't know. It can't be three or four maximum. Um, but there's not that many. So people are going to be making their judgments what they see. So every game's crucial, regardless of what it means for, yeah. for playoffs. Just looking at Plymouth's results, I didn't realise quite how good they were. Um, Ross has just said they've won six in a row. Do you know how many goals they conceded in those six wins? Twelve. Zero. They've kept six I... successive clean sheets. They've got eight clean sheets in their last... 10. Um, you wondered when, when Ryan Lowe left to step up a division, whether our plucky Plymouth, uh, they'll fade away now, but Schumacher's stepped up as assistant and uh, they've carried on. I, it was one of the handful of games that I've not, one of the very few games I've not been at this season was, was down at Plymouth. And I remember Andy came back and said, I thought, I said to Andy, are they going to maintain that this season? And he, he was sure. He said, they're one of the best footballing teams I've I've seen this season. So it's a, a tough old tough old task for Ipswich on on Saturday. But um like you say, the home form's been good. Um Morsi isn't you know, it was good to see Morsi get some some minutes in the second half last weekend. So hopefully he's uh he's fit and able to to start and just be good to get a striker scoring some goals again, wouldn't it? Um could be Macaulay Bond's time. I thought he that was uh 
he looked lively when he stepped off the bench last weekend. Looked a bit more like the Macaulay Bond of old. So that would be one of my big wishes going into the weekend. Macaulay Bond to score in front of a big crowd at, at Portman Road. That would be nice. Right. But well, before we go, right, now I don't know. I'm not on here every week. So this millennium gold pick, £100,000 that Warren Hutch, the Hutch man, seems to have mm. in his, his bank account and nobody else's, which I think is wrong because he could just run off. He could run off to somewhere like San Marino and go and live there with all that money. So what happens when he's not here? Do we not play? Or what do we do? Or do what? Can I make one up? And... Normally, we yeah, it's Andy has the keys to that. And if he's yeah. not here, it doesn't get done. But I would argue we're running out of games now. Yes. And I'm going to make an executive decision that I'm, I'm going to... Call it. And I don't know how Andy's going to feel about this. Is I'm giving it to you, Mike. I'm letting you make a call. Spend some of his money. Make it fun for the listeners. He's exactly. I mean, he he lost half. He lost about half a million, didn't he, recently on some some big bet. Um, I feel like we should honour Andy's bet that he's he's back in Morsi to score every game. So straight away, I'm taking fifty k. Fifty k of his money's going on Morsi to score. Right, any time, Bosch. That's down. Yeah, Might exactly. anything you you want to do with the money? I, d- I don't know what he's down to. He's down to about half a mil. Be as bold as you like. Right. I think we should put a hundred thousand pound. Yeah. On there to be at least, at least five goals. Right. Okay. A hundred grand on five. Uh, goals. I've just told you that Plymouth have kept six successive clean sheets. We know Ipswich don't don't concede many. You're yes. going for at least five goals. Think of the odds, Stewpot. Just think of the odds. Mm. I mean, that must be, it's massive. We'll be at all retire. We'll all be able to retire on Monday morning when that comes home. And if we lose, he's still got lots of money. He's still got, if Morsey scores, that's another big one. It's it's a win-win in my eyes. Okay. Um, Ross, I'm going to give you a bet as well, just because that's what we're doing. Um, do you know what? Macaulay Bond score any time. Bon, any time. What should we stick on that? Uh, just just 50 grand. 50. Stick a little yeah. 50 on Bon at any time. We've got 50 on Morsi at any time. And in complete contradiction to your bet, and this will lead us on to score predictions, I'm going to have to back a nil-nil. For all the reasons that we've discussed, two teams might, two possession-based teams that don't concede many might, might cancel each other out. Um Let's stick uh, let's stick fifty on that as well. Fifty k on a, on a nil nil. Um, I I don't know how valid yours is. We might I might have to run this by by Andy. I mean, I did say you could have one, but I, yeah. is that genuinely your? Is that genuinely oh, what you want to put a hundred thousand on? All right, I'll put fifty on there. If I won't be greedy, 50. I'll let's, put make 50. Okay. let's make 50 it fair. Let's make it fifty. We could, yeah. look if I went if I went into the bookies tomorrow and asked for that I would get a good I get good odds I can see yeah. it I can see it now there'll be a goal in the first five minutes there I'll tell you that now and that'll lead on to a goal fest okay so we've got fifty k on nil nil fifty k on at least five goals in the game <laughs> fifty grand on Morsi to score any time and we got fifty k on on Bon at any time as well I've given my score prediction over to you two. Well, I think it'll be nil-nil. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, 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 but I think it'll be entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I think it'll be entertaining. Nick Goalless draw. Um, but um, yeah, I'll go for I'll go for nil-nil. No, come on. How does your five-goal thriller shake out? My five-goal thriller shakes out four-one to town. Four-one to town. You thought oh. I was going to say three-two, didn't you? Somebody, but it's no four-one because Ipswich, Ipswich will just go goal goal crazy. They'll go, yes, go crazy. If, if Ipswich win four-one on yes. Saturday, what? Then we're all come on. It's still on. We can win every game now. That's it. We're going to beat Cambridge at home the following weekend. Yes, oh, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it, Ross? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tight one, but in entertaining one. One nil. Recorded on the score. Yes, it's going to be unbelievable scenes. Maybe a late winner. Maybe. I like it. Like I like it. your I like two it, predictions. I'll, yeah. I'll take both of them. Thank you very much, um, Mike. Over to you for the outro. 
Well, the outro. I've done the intro now. The outro. And don't for, before I before I go, look. Um, uh, don't don't forget, my friend, uh, Mr. Watson. We're going to have to go and sharpen your short game up before the big match next week against Melton Audrey's for the Anglin. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's a, sorry, that's a little aside. Um, right, KOA family. I hope you've enjoyed listening to our um, a little chat here about um, all sorts of things. Um, Paul Mariner Day at the weekend. We're really looking forward to celebrating that. Um, a fantastic strike. We haven't seen him. Find a little YouTube clip and just see if you can have a look. If you don't know much about Paul Mariner, um, but look, let's hope. Let's hope it's town in all seriousness get a get a great result on 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 saturday um more to the point keep keep the entertainment going because people are enjoying coming to portman road again i think that's the main thing um for myself um and um i say goodbye and i'll hand you over now to the two young roscoe and to mr watson to say their goodbyes and we'll see you on the kings of anglia podcast next <laughs> that's week. not how outros work we don't all say goodbye you just wrap <laughs> it up go Enjoy. to manscape dot com because mike's failed to mention our sponsors as well um koa at the checkout we'll get you some sort of discount we we haven't quite remembered whether it's is it 20 20 i was going to say 10 so immediately there that makes it feel like it's it's more like it's extra it's 20 percent discount at manscaped.com koa um ross do you mike said do you want to say goodbye Goodbye. Goodbye from him. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from all of us. We'll see you next week. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.